Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone-Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Annie Highwater. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies in Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall uh, back on Coming Up for Air with Kayla Solomon. Hi, Kayla. Hi, Laurie. And Dominique Simone Levine. Hi, Dominique. How are you today? I'm fine, Laurie. Welcome. So today we're going to talk about something we're calling low-hanging fruit. (laughs) Can you kind of describe what it is we're talking about, Dominique? What do we mean by low-hanging fruit? So the the craft approach that we we train families on, um, and that is the the heartbeat of our of our website, um, is called is the craft work, right? And it's full of ideas and tips and strategies, uh, all set within a a very simple framework of four or five things you you really need to look at ways of talking and ways of behaving around your loved one. And, and there are things to try early that are perhaps easier and things to try early that um, are um, important to start with. So I thought that would we would just do a grab bag of ideas and pointers, things that were surprising um, and that families can try easily. I, can I start with one example? Recently, I talked to a family, um, their loved one has a family, has a couple kids and was, has always drank and never stopped and um, ended up, he was willing, something happened, crisis, police, and he went to the detox. And his parents reached out to allies in recovery and started writing about the situation, what to do, can't believe it got this bad, had no idea. Um, And talked about how the son, their son in detox and had wanted to do, wanted nothing from the parents, stay out of it. It's not your problem, whatever. And um, while he was in detox, they started to look at the site and they, they got to module three on communication and then looked a little bit at intervention skills that we teach in module eight. And they went, oh my God, the police had come right before detox. The family had, there'd been a huge blowout fight, right? So the father looked at, at his wife and said, wow, we've been doing it all wrong, wrote a text, just a text. And it said, you know, we were wrong. We shouldn't have come over and, and, and um, tried to coerce you and tried to tell you. And, and we were just very, very out of our league and we're very sorry. And for the first time, the son responded in a way that the parents had never heard. And that was, I'm so scared. I love my family. I don't want to lose my family. I'm just very scared. And the, fa- the family wrote me to tell me about this little text that came in that just blew them away. Um, they had never heard their son talk that way before or admit to any any problem whatsoever. He was really resistant to where he was in detox. 
So that's an example of a text that really made a big difference that was easy to do. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm sorry, a little bit of allergies today. Um, yeah, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about low hanging fruit, meaning what can families do immediately, right? Something, something um, small, but you can implement in the moment right now and can be doing something to uh, progress your situation into a more positive direction. And you, you had also talked about, um, we kind of had a conversation about this particular topic. <clears throat> you also talked about creating a resource list. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit, Dominique? Sure. I think we don't stress it enough in the modules and I'm, uh, I, I would do so if I went and if I can get to recording those again. But it's so important for families to start right away, as soon as they learn from about us and start looking at our work, to work on a, on a list of treatment options for their loved one. And this can include what you think he'd be willing or she'd be willing to do and things that he or she would not be willing to do. It would just... It would be a list you follow uh, the outline we give you in, in module eight for the different kind of treatment. Also to that, I would add healthy behaviors, little things that um, uh, your loved one likes to do, might do. Um, we've had examples from families over the years, like uh, an internship at a stained glass uh, maker, um, a trainer at a gym, you know, so, so yeah. you start coming up, those are rewards, but you, you also want to put them on the list and say, look, you know, when, and if you're ready, I'm going to put this on the side of the fridge. So nobody sees it, but here it's, here it is. And you can pick from this. I will support you. I will do everything I can, um, to, to get you there, um, when you're ready. And then you just leave the list there. That's an easy thing to start with today. Every family, it's not easy to create that list, but it is an easy tactic to put it to say, hey, look, you know, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about the drugs. I'm not talking about anything else. I'm just saying somebody suggested I do this. I'm putting it all down here. All the numbers, details, how to get in, how much it costs, who will pay for it, you know, all of the details we always talk about and just leave it on. Um, give it to them in a text, put it on the side of the fridge, say, hey, no, no, we're not talking about anything else today, but just wanted to let you know that I, I created this. Yeah. I think what's helpful about that also is that there's so there's such a desire to do something and to make sure you're you're actually taking an action and doing the research for that list is a really positive action so that you're calling your insurance company and finding out what's covered and you're finding out how much out of pocket and I just want to throw something in that I really feel like there are $30,000 programs out there all over the place that a lot of people research and you need to be very careful about those because you, unless the person's really ready, you might be using $30,000 of your retirement to take care of treatment and it might not work. So that's part of the decision making of what you put on those lists. Totally, totally agree with you. <clears throat> totally agree with you, Kayla. And in fact, I often will say, if it's going to put you in debt, then 
there's, I'll bet you there are other resources out there that you can look to um, uh, that are not going to put you in debt and are going to be just as effective. Um, and I also, I think you're right. Families have to be, um, what am I trying to say here? That navigating the system itself is incredibly difficult. So I think doing something like this as a family member is actually an incredibly important piece. It gives the family member the um, and friend um, <clears throat> an opportunity, just like what you're saying, Kayla. It gives the family member and friend an opportunity to be active in supporting their loved one. It also gives them the opportunity to um, do some research and finding out what is available. And also, um, people have to be very careful, like you said, about um, about particular things. So, what am I? What do I mean by that? If you Google um, one, most family members don't know about recovery centers, and recovery centers happen to be very East Coast, West Coast. Um, in the in the middle part of the country, uh, they're few and far between. And it makes sense because you can have these very rural areas that just don't have um, the transportation or are in situations that it's very difficult to create a recovery center. But families don't even know what a recovery center is. They don't and then if you go and start Googling, so I've done this with families, tried to Google, do you have a recovery center in this particular area? <clears throat> and if you put in, if you Google the word recovery center, what you end up getting are, uh, yeah, <laughs> Dominique is smiling right now. What you end up getting are residential treatment facilities start popping up and all of these ads um, <clears throat> Also, uh, and that's and that's not what a recovery center is. Um, and I think uh, uh, if you can find a recovery center as a family member and kind of have a list of that, this is where there are um, recovery coaches, which are different than sponsors, and it's a one-stop shop. So it's a place for your loved one to be able to go and you can almost hand off their recovery to the recovery center because they're going to connect them to a recovery coach that's there to support them in any way that they need support. Um, but the problem is, one, it's difficult to locate. And two, it's um, if you Google it, if you don't Google the right words, you're not getting the right um you're not getting a recovery community center. So I, I'm going to suggest people re, uh, Google recovery coach or Google uh, sober coach or Google um, certified recovery specialist. And oftentimes the governing, the governing body or the, the board that licenses or certifies a recovery coach, that part of it will come up. And then you can use that connection to try and find how you can um, find either a recovery community where you can get your loved one con connected to a recovery coach, or um, there'll be other 
indirect ways of connecting your loved one to a recovery coach. And I'm just, the only reason why I bring this up is because um, it's such a wonderful resource, but it's also difficult to find. And if it's difficult to find for the family member, it's going to be difficult to find for the loved one when the loved one starts expressing wishes or dips and is open to this sort of thing. Navigating the system is is incredibly difficult. So this is a low-hanging fruit, as, as Dominique said, that the family member can be prepared and have those numbers ready and say, look, I'm I'm not trying to, you know, force you. You don't, you don't have to do anything, but here, here's a list of resources. Can you check them out? Right. And it does, it gives you something to do as a family member. I only know because I've done it. <laughs> yeah. And just to finish that bit up on, on that topic, um, it's those coaches are excellent case managers. They know the resources on the ground. They know how to get into their systems. Um, it's, it will save you so much time and trouble trying to figure it out on yes. your own. And and they know the barriers. They know the wait lists. They know the quality of the places they're yep. on the ground. The other place to get information, um, the best information, I think, on what's actually currently uh, quality service um, in your area or in the country, if you can fly them someplace. Um, and that is family support meetings, Naranon, Al-Anon, any, any of the wonderful support groups that have popped up around the country, those families know the ins and outs of everything in their communities, um, including family supporters. Um, so if you walk into a, a, a community, a recovery community center as a family member, they will open their arms out to you and provide you all kinds of brochures and ideas and things. Um, and it's so easy for somebody to just walk in. So right. that door is open. Right. Probably seven it, days of a lot of time. It, right. It is. I know that it is, um, at least in Rhode Island. I should say that because I'm sure that it varies from community to community. And I'm talking about Rhode Island, but also Massachusetts. Massachusetts has a fantastic um, system of recovery communities. And when I say resources, they have trainings on expungement. They have um, all sorts of different meetings, like uh, um, art meetings, like peace love. They have um, meditation groups, yoga in the 12 steps. They have housing. They know how, how to navigate the housing system, whether we're talking a shelter or recovery home or um, they're, they're, they know how to get you into detox. They have connections to help the person get into detox. They have connections to help the person get into treatment. They, I mean, it's just, the list goes on and on and on, and they're constantly trying to make new contacts and network, um, to try and support anybody that comes in, um, for that support. I just want to say that since we're national and international, it's it's very, very region-based because there are every yeah. state is very different. Every country is very different. And so it's really important that people spend some time getting familiar with the, their local resources and what does and doesn't exist. Like I know in our group that 
there were several people that were talking about sectioning their loved one, which basically means um, legally having somebody committed because they're a danger to themselves. And you can't do that in every state. So um, it's really important to kind of start educating yourself. So I think the low hanging fruit is really, it starts with educating yourself about the resources. So that becomes an activity that you get to do. It's not quick, it's not easy, but if that's your intention, then that's the thing that you focus on as opposed to thinking about what your loved one is doing at that moment. You start collecting the resources and the information and knowledge. And yeah, it's, it's a very important step. Right, and it's creating a plan. Yeah. And and don't we all feel so much more comforted when we have a plan and and your loved one, each loved one um, has different needs. So like we may be talking about um, an adult child that's, you know, maybe in their 30s. Well, their needs are going to be very different than a, a young adult. So maybe someone in their 20s. So looking for programs that are more geared towards a young adult versus an adult child, if that makes sense. And there are, and there really are special needs for each group and um, just, just some things to think about. And just, it, it is a plan you can come up with, you know, um, Dominique, you want to say something? Just the point about housing, even if you feel your loved one is 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 housed safely. You might think about housing. Um, if there's relapse, where would he or she go? Would they be homeless? Would you consider them home? Under what circumstances? It becomes that whole uh, application of the craft questions to he's coming home, he's relapsed, right? And, and Lori, you were able, you've talked in past episodes of having your son home and, and providing him a safe recovery space at home. Not everybody can do that. And housing is one of the most difficult things, especially the, the homeless um, housing. Um, in Western Mass, for instance, uh, it's extremely hard to get a, a, a subsidized housing voucher and housing is extremely tight. Right. Um, to the point where housing housing approaches that are like evidence based and 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 exciting in other parts of the country like New York we right. can't even use because it starts with the fact that you get housed and now they're going to try to keep you in your housing, all wonderful but right. you can't get housed in the first place right so and now, it, it's it's a huge issue right and now with COVID, COVID makes everything ten times more difficult. Um, but what you're talking about is having a plan A and a B and a C and a D. A and, list. Yeah, having a list. But I, I, I'm going to put a little shout out in for the mental health piece also because it's such a huge aspect of this. And remember that underneath most addiction or most, most substance use is some form of mental health issue or trauma. And so it's also important to educate yourself on what the the resources are in terms of the mental health and the different types of trauma therapy and different and we talk about that a lot. So trauma therapy is different from traditional therapy because it really works on clearing the trauma and so it's very important to know 
whether there's a trauma, a trauma-based component of that particular treatment. And the other thing is that some people need medication for their mental health issues. So, so that's, that's really important to know, not that you're going to know the details about that, but does the treatment include a mental health piece of it? And for example, this past week, we, I was talking to, um, somebody that is dealing with substance use, but he really needs to deal with his mental health issue because that's what keeps getting him back into relapse. And we talked about him going into a DBT program, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, which is basically a skills-based model of treatment so that you're creating the toolbox for dealing with with reactivity and stress and any kind of mental health issues that you deal with. So you're dealing with that. So DBT is a really important component of a lot of different programs now, but it's, it's essential that people have tools. So that's something also that you could be looking at is what's the mental health track. Um, uh, and of course there's overlap. Totally agree with you, Kayla. And, and also, um, you know, having gone through this, this type of a, uh, a journey, um, uh, it's really good to have the mental health piece of it lined up like, um, numbers to psychiatrists, to nurse practitioners, to psychologists. I can tell you it was so difficult to find a psychiatrist, to find a psychologist. It took months and that is something that I wasn't well prepared for um, in in supporting my son. Um, but I wish I wish that I had that I had thought of that early enough. So that's an added piece that I think people um, it is a low hanging fruit, right? That is something get prepared with those numbers and have a list ready um, uh, to help support some of the mental health issues that um, that come up. I think great point. And the waiting list has gotten much worse with COVID. Right. Right. Again. Right. Totally agree. So a lot of what we're mentioning here today, you can find on our supplement, all the evidence-based approaches, the dialectical behavioral therapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy, which um, is sort somewhat embedded into the DBT work. Um, they're very close, but DBT is, is more trauma-focused. Um, and, and some ideas on housing and ideas on, 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 we have a methodology that we created over 10 years of looking for therapy, um, looking for treatment. Um, Janine Bedard, who for 10 years did this almost full time for our families. Um, we have listed hard to find treatment and funded treatment that you might not be aware of, such as you go to SAMHSA.gov, that's a place many people will send you. Um, but if you go to their grants division and look to see who's been grant funded in your area, they will fully pay for all services that are funded by the, by the federal government. There's no, it's insurance blind. So uh, they have to treat you if you're, if you're qualified to be admitted into a program like that's funded through the federal government. So there are university departments, psychology departments that sometimes run um, internships uh, in, 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 in a clinic setting at, at the university um, or are being, or have clinical doctoral students that are being supervised and need clinical hours. So there's, there's lots of little known 
tricks of the trade under the methodology, allies and recoveries methodology you'll find in the, in the resource section of the, of the site. You, uh, another um, low hanging fruit, which is basically what we're talking about is getting educated about substance use disorder, just all things substance use disorder. And I do think that the resource resource supplement section of the website is just loaded with all sorts of different things that you can go and read and try and understand. Um, like CBT, DBT is on there. I mean, just tons and tons of information. So I think getting out there and getting educated. And in fact, that's exactly what, um, that's exactly what I did on my journey in the beginning was I had to get educated. I even went so far as to go and start taking college classes um, to try and understand things better. Um, and that's, it, that's an action step. But I think it's also important Absolutely. to be compassionate with yourself because if you're, you're coming at this when you first start knowing nothing. Okay. Right. And you're, Feelings are overwhelmed and terrified and panicked and mm -hmm. angry. And so, and and let, let us throw in here that if you could get help yourself for yourself that's focused on you, that's a massive low-hanging fruit. Because I can't imagine how to go through something like this if you're not getting support. There's it's it's impossible to do alone because everything that terrifies you is happening on a regular basis. And if you're not talking to somebody about it, if you're not taking care of yourself, then how do you actually move forward with this? And so let's throw self-care in as another low-hanging fruit, you know, whether it's going for therapy, joining groups. And I know that there are many people that are joining multiple groups so that they could get regular um, help, but also talk to different people and have steady over the course of the week, people that they talk to. Um, and, and also that there's the physical self-care, you know, exercising, there's eating well, there's, there's doing things that release stress, whatever that is for you and things that also bring you joy because a lot of times people feel like they're on hold and they're waiting until their loved one is okay for them to go on with their life. And that could take a really long time. So you have to kind of join your own life and continue to live your life and, and have it while you're doing this for your loved one. Because if the loved one becomes your sole focus, you lose your own life and that is not okay. So, so you know, I hear what you're saying and I, and I, um, and of course I do, I do believe self-care is really important. Um, I also want to add into, into that, that actually getting educated wasn't solely for my loved one. It was for me and yeah. that it, right. And that doing these things was self-care, if that makes sense, doing these. Partially. And yeah. then but, but if that's the only education that you're getting, then there's no you. So that's, yes, it's self-care to be focusing on the care and how you could move forward with your loved one. And you also have like, what do I like to do? And, you know, the joy piece has to be there or it's kind of, it, it becomes, then your focus is still solely on the other person. So what I'm about gonna, you? <laughs> I'm going to debate you on that. Um, I, I, for me, I didn't, 
I didn't feel that way. And actually learning actually about a lot of different things is for me. And so the education piece was a huge, it was for me. It was really for me. It, it, it was a way for me to understand what was going on in my life and what was going on with my son. Um, but it wasn't solely, it wasn't solely for him. It, it was, it was for me. It, it was a calming piece for me. So it's, it's one of those things that um, people want me to separate those things very um, distinctly. And what I'm saying is, um, what I'm saying is one, you couldn't, you, first off, you couldn't tell me to do that. And people tried to tell me to do that in the beginning when, when things first happened. And I was, I can tell you right now, I was incapable of doing it. So going and getting the education, um, joining groups, doing all of these things, um, getting the education, creating a plan and doing all of that stuff. Although it may have been focused on that, it was also for me. It was very much for me and it was calming. It was very calming and it was a way to actually take care of myself. Yeah. And I don't think that we're arguing about this. I think that if it, if it allows you to calm down, that's a great thing. Um, I also, but it's also like, okay, so what would be good for me at this second of the day that will help me relax? Do I need to do a meditation tape before I go to sleep? Do I need to go for a walk right now? That's all I'm talking about. It's not, it's not me. I don't see any of ourselves disconnected. Like if you're getting educated, of course it's for you. That's, that's to me, there's not separate pieces. Like you're only dealing with your loved one and that's exclusive to yourself. But if the anxiety level that you have is so high, then, then you have an issue with yourself. So what, what calms your system down? So if the education calms you down, great. Right. Are there other tools that you could use that actually help you calm down? That's all I'm saying. Right. Right. <clears throat> right. And, and I guess that's, is that is a long-term issue. the education. Right. And, and I, and I do agree with you, I, but it was the, it was the education like getting educated and reading and learning. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of, of my loved one, if that makes sense. It was, I was thinking about it in terms of, of myself and how I was going to, um, approach it, if that makes sense. And so it was, it did bring a sense of, of calmness to me and peace. Mm -hmm. But also, I also understand what you're talking about because, um, doing things like, uh, socializing, right. Might've been a very difficult thing to do, but I would do it and I would force myself to do it. And I would learn, I know this is crazy, but almost like relearn to appreciate these moments because I'm having them right now. And 99% of my time is spent thinking about how I'm going to fix this. Does that make sense? So that's exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. So, so you being, add these other pieces in of right, you. That's right. what I'm talking about. Right. But I can also tell you, I couldn't do that until I started with the education piece and I started to have a plan. I, I, I can't even describe it to you, but um, maybe because it was so, it was PTSD, but. And consuming. And consuming, all consuming. Yep. Dominique, you. It's, it's all consuming and chaotic and you don't know where the lines are 
where right. where is the edge of this? Where where's where's the perimeter? And I think what craft does so beautifully is it creates a very simple framework. Right. You place it down on your situation. It gives you the categories. It gives you the the observations you should be recording, um, and and it simplifies and it's effective. We have studied. It has been studied. You can trust it's effective. So you're not spinning your wheels doing a lot of things that haven't worked traditionally, or maybe things that you tried that would have worked if you kept doing them, you know? So there's a lot of stuff like that, but so much easier to plan when you can see the picture and craft can very simply give you the picture. And I think we do an excellent job of that on our site. The last piece, we have to close, but the last piece is to just reflect on what you're both saying, which is, I don't think Bob Myers, when he created craft realized that every single piece of craft is self-care. Our introduction teaches you the basics of what you need to do about know about substance use. If you're not into researching or going to college, you might just look at introductory the introductory module. I give you just the basics that you need so that you can move forward and start to apply the following modules. And we have a module on self-care, um, but the surprise and the richness of craft is in this, how all those modules help you, the family member, calm down, take care of yourself, see it more clearly. Just put it in the space it needs to be in instead of just overwhelming your whole life. Right. And we can keep you there. And coming back to the site is like going to a meeting. Oh, yeah, I read that one this morning. And I read the blog post response to that situation over there. And it sounds a lot like mine. Relax. You're not alone. And relax. There is a way to organize what's going on in your life so that you can move forward and, right. and make just tremendous changes. A, a whole new worldview in my, in my right. estimate. Right. Mm. Yeah. It gives you structure. It gives you structure in that chaos. And boy, oh boy, was I open to that structure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a wonderful discussion. Um, and uh, we always have such wonderful, robust um, uh, talks. So I'm looking forward to next week. And thank you for this discussion, Dominique and Kayla. Thank you. Have a Thanks, great week. Lori. Bye, Kayla. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesandrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, our production team, and Mikael Mouboussin for the original music composition. <laughs>